Hey, hey, welcome back, everybody. This is episode 51 of the Announcer Schedules podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gill, along with the face, the voice, the handle, at Announcer Schedules. He's Phil DeMott Mollen. We are back for episode 51. Brian Boucher of Sports USA, ESPN. He is the analyst for the Stanley Cup Finals which uh, we are recording on Thursday. Game three is tonight. Game four is on Saturday. Sports USA Radio, we're going to take you through Brian's journey from player to analyst. A pretty cool ride for Brian Boucher. He spent time in Philly uh, with NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, He went to NBC when they had hockey, and now over to ESPN. He's now also doing the radio side, so we'll get his uh, perspective on that. You can like, rate, review, subscribe to our podcast and get it delivered to you on Last Word on Sports. We got Last Word on Sports Media with TJ Reeves drops on Wednesday. On Tuesdays, tell me a story I don't know, and that's George Hoffman. I think he had Book Shambi on this week, a great play-by-player. Phil, we are back, and I think uh, Brian Boosh, as he was known here in Philly, I think this is going to be really one of the first analysts we get a chance to kind of talk to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And in particular, obviously, it's an exciting time for the NHL being in the middle of the Stanley Cup finals. He's got a game tonight with uh, Vegas at Florida Panthers, game three of that series. And then, yeah, you know, we had episode 50 last week. We went over all of our guests that we've had over the course of the show in our our first year doing this. And we've had a ton of play-by-play announcers, but I agree. I think this is the first analyst we'll have. So be interesting to to dig into that with Brian. Yeah, Brian uh, was a goaltender in Philadelphia and among other places and then uh, got right into the broadcast world. So we'll get his journey coming up as the Stanley Cup playoffs, the finals, the Stanley Cup championships are here, and it's all Miami. The Heat and the Panthers uh, are the two teams in the Eastern time zone. You got Vegas and Denver, of course, on the West, and Denver and Miami went at it last night in the NBA, and we've had a great series from Mike Breen, who was going to call, or who just called, I should say, uh, his 100th NBA Finals game on Monday with his crew, Breen, Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson. Yeah, j- j- just one point of clarity there because there, there was a little bit of a, a mix-up with the, those numbers with a couple of the sources, but Breen will call his 100th NBA Finals game this coming this Monday. This coming Monday. Game, I apologize. Yeah, this, this coming Monday. Game five. So basically once the Heat won game two, which ensured a game five, you know, we knew Breen would accomplish this milestone during this series. And, yeah, Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, I mean, they've been doing this as a trio for 15 years. For Breen, it's his 18th NBA Finals. Uh, Lisa Salter's reporting, of course. And, yeah, they've brought a lot of big moments already early in this series. Yeah, the uh, the memes on social media of the three guys and having Van Gundy and Jackson's back and forth and Breen almost uh, tuning them out and just doing his job as the straight man, uh, it has been uh, quite the dynamic in these NBA Finals. Yeah, it truly has. And there's there a lot of fun last night, uh, game three down in Miami between the three of them. And uh, yeah, Breen continues to get it done. I've, I've seen more and more publicity about him. You know, there was there was one story out there about basically is Breen the most underrated announcer in history? Because, you know, he obviously is, you know, top of the food chain as far as we're concerned. And we talk about him all the time on, on our show. 
but on a national level, as far as a household name level, does he get talked about, you know, with the Jim Nances and the, the Joe Bucks and in that kind of thing. So uh, it's an interesting way to look at things, but certainly uh, for those who follow the NBA, Breen, Van Gundy and Jackson, I mean, this kind of run, there's, there's a generation who this is all they know as far as the NBA. Well, finals. you know, and of the guys you just mentioned, uh, Jim Nance obviously does multiple sports. He does the NFL. He does golf. He does the NCAA tournament. So he is much more known throughout the calendar year. Uh, Joe Buck did the World Series. He did the NFL as the main guy for NFL and Major League Baseball, where Mike Breen, he only does the NBA, and he is really only synonymous with NBA basketball. I guess the next conversation for Breen is, you know, I grew up in the Marv generation. You grew up in the Marv generation. Is the NBA fan, do they still think of Marv as the voice of the NBA, or has Breen kind of taken that uh, over for, you know, that generation behind us? I think it depends on your your age, frankly. You know, for for those who've been around long enough, you know, you you relate more to to Marv and still kind of think of him as the standard. I was a particular fan of Dick Stockton in the '80s when it was on CBS all those years and some of those Celtics Lakers games and so forth. I mean, I was pretty young back then, but I remember those and I've watched a lot of those games on on replay and clips and things. And so Stockton would be kind of my personal choice as far as the NBA goes. But in terms of your question, as far as, you know, household name, big picture, I would say Marv Albert probably still, you know, if if people, if historians were putting together, you know, lists as far as, you know, greatest announcers and that kind of thing, you know, Marv, you know, his, his body of work is, is so huge, not to mention his signature calls, the big games he called and so forth, that I would still give him the edge over Breen. Well, let's listen to a little bit of Breen and the crew here on NBA Finals game number two. Let's have a timeout, but they're not using it. Four seconds. Morris, step back, three-pointer, long goal, fight for the rebound, Martin, and it's over. The Miami Heat have tied the NBA Finals. What a comeback here on the road for the Heat. And it's one apiece. Mike Breen on the call as kind of like an anticlimactic feel there. You're waiting for the bang and you don't get it because Murray doesn't connect. Yeah, you, you can only call what actually happens on the court there. And it was a wild game. You know, that there was a situation there where, you know, the Nuggets chose not to call a timeout and, you know, they just go with it. And it, as much as anything, I just think it shows Breen's skill as far as being super nimble, calling the action, bringing to the action and, you know, the, the, the final call there as far as the Heat winning that game too. But then game three, a different story with Denver winning at Miami last night as we're recording. Well, let's take a listen to that exchange. A little bit more humor involved from the trio. The triple-double. Youngman's beautiful pass. Caldwell Pope shot. No good, but a foul. Just to, I mean, that's an incredible basketball play. Great vision and an incredible pass. You're one of the greatest assist men in the history of the NBA, and sometimes this guy takes your breath away with some of his best. It's unbelievable. That's a big man making this play. Can we all agree that you should get an assist on a foul if the free throws are made? No, we can't all agree. What are you doing? Why? Because that's not how it's been counted historically. Well, we used to not have the three-point shot. We used to have two announcers. (laughs) And I know who would be the first guy not drafted. (laughs) 
Knocks down the free throw. It's back up to 16. So there you go. A lot of back and forth. Can we all agree that the assist uh, should be there if the guy gets the foul? And Jackson says, no, we don't agree. Back and forth they go. And Breen just basically keeps on going. We've had a lot of moments like this throughout. Yeah, and then that shot that Jackson takes on Van Gundy as far as saying, yeah, there was once just two announcers in the booth, you know, uh, just just hilarious, you know, and, and Breen is the perfect, you know, setup guy as far as, you know, kind of, you know, gently instigating these two to kind of do the, the dirty work. But uh, it's become uh, a, a lot of fun to, to listen to them game in and game out. And obviously, they, they, you know, they're able to pull off this sort of authenticity on even the biggest stage, you know, yeah. when it when it's the NBA Finals. Yeah, and, you know, um, Mike Breen, obviously, as the play-by-play guy, he's got to – doing a three-man uh, booth is not the easiest thing. And the one thing that sometimes you hear about, they don't do games together all season long. You know, they're not constantly doing games from October all the way. So they are kind of just putting this group together for these bigger moments late in the season. Yeah, that that's right. You know, obviously they've done a ton of games over the years in terms of NBA Finals, NBA playoffs, and that sort of thing. But Breen, with his MSG network responsibilities for the, the New York Knicks, I think that sort of dictates some of his travel during the regular season. And you end up seeing Breen matched up with other analysts during the regular season. And you also see Jackson and Van Gundy matched up with other play-by-play announcers. But I know we're going to shift gears here shortly to – the NHL Stanley Cup Finals as we're looking forward to welcoming in Brian Boucher onto the program here and uh, really looking forward to what's coming up here in the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. By the way, if you want to tune in tonight, if you're listening to the show as we're recording, Thursday, Game 3, Vegas at Florida. That'll be on TNT and also Sports USA Radio. The TNT call, Kenny Albert, Eddie Olchick, Keith Jones, and uh, Darren Pang, along with Jackie Redman. And over on Sports USA, John Allers, Brian Boucher, Bri- Billy Jaffe, Ice Level, and Ted Sobel is the studio host. Well, let's bring uh, one of the voices that you'll hear on Sports USA into the show here uh, as we welcome. Brian Boucher, Sports USA, on the call as Game 3 tonight, Game 4 on Saturday. And we'll talk a little with Brian about his journey here on the Announcer Schedules pod. Hey, Brian, welcome aboard with Mike and Phil. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, man. It's uh, it's great to have you talk a little hockey here. We're in the uh, well, I'm in the Philly area, so here the people who will listen uh, are certainly very familiar with your work and your career. And I guess we can kind of start there with you. You know, we're in the Stanley Cup Finals. You're getting the call, uh, but this all kind of started for you right after your playing days were over here in Philadelphia at NBC Sports. I guess uh, Philadelphia, right? Yeah, it did. Uh, I got done. I started to do some pre and post game there. Uh, for NBC Sports Philly. Uh, I did some color for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms uh, the first year that they were in Lehigh Valley. Uh, so I got, you know, the studio work with the Flyers, uh, and then I got the game stuff with the Phantoms. So I got the best of both worlds and kind of, you know, dipped my, uh, my toe into the water that way and eventually got to NHL Network. And from NHL Network, it went to, um, you know, NBC Sports, uh, the big one. And, uh, yeah, and then and the rest is history. So, yeah, I work for ESPN now as well. Um, but we don't have the final this year with ESPN. It's on TNT. So because uh, we're not doing it, I was free to do the, the radio and 
just great to be at the finals. I mean, you, you know, you work you work all year, right? And uh, to, to to be able to be at the finals is uh, it's the culmination. It's uh, you know everybody from the league is here, and it's just a it's a it's a great it's a great scene, and uh, I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Yeah, Brian, you know. Uh, you mentioned, you know, you started in Philadelphia. When you were a player and at the end of your playing career, was this something that you had your mind on? Did they approach you and say, hey, man, you were always a good quote, you were a good talker? How did it all kind of start for you? We talked to a lot of broadcasters on this show, and we generally talked to play-by-players, and those are people who didn't play the game generally. Mm-hmm. You played the game. How did the, 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 the marriage begin for you? Is this something you wanted to do, or was this something they approached you about? It was always something that intrigued me. Uh, you know, when you're playing, you don't put too much thought into what you're going to do next, right? I think you're always focused on your training, your preparation, uh, working on your game so that you can, you know, you can have longevity. But, I, you know, it was always in the back of my mind, like, geez, I wonder if I could do that. And then, you know, I've had enough people that came up to me, uh, guys like Elliot Friedman, who's, you know, up at Sportsnet in Canada there that tell, you know, would tell me, hey, when you're done, you, sh- you should do this. And, and then you get another person that'll tell you. And even Keith Jones, uh, who had been was doing the Flyers games at that time, he'd say to me, say, hey, when, when you're done, you know, make sure make sure you think about doing this. So you hear enough people say it to you and then it kind of gets in your mind, well, maybe I should probably look into doing that. And um, so, yeah, I mean, when I got done, uh, I made that phone call to Elliot Friedman. I said, hey, remember when you when you told me to give you a shout, I gave him a shout and he, he put me in touch with the people over at NHL Network. And, and also, too, in Philadelphia, I, I had um, uh, the good fortune of my son played youth hockey with... Um, with Brian Monahan's daughter, and Brian Monahan was uh, uh, one of the execs there at NBC Sports Philadelphia, and he said to me as well, he said, "Look, when you're done playing, give me a shout." So I gave him a shout, and that's how I got onto the Flyers pre and post game. Uh, so I had a lot of people that kind of helped me along the way and steer me in the right direction. And uh, from there, you know, one thing leads to the next, and uh, you just keep going at it like your playing career. You you put the work in. Uh, and, and good things happen. So I'm, I'm really fortunate, and uh, a lot of people helped me along the way. I mean, at times, you you know, you wonder, boy, it would have been nice to get into coaching or on the management side of things because you're still part of a team. I think that's the one thing that, you, as a as a broadcaster, you kind of miss, right? I mean, you're on your team with, you know, the, the people that are they're doing the game, but there's no wins and losses. It's, uh, it's hey, did we have a good broadcast tonight? And that's how you kind of judge yourself. But uh, you know, it's it's a great it's a great way to to make a living after playing. You're still around the game, and the losses don't eat at you the way they do when you're a player. Well, I guess real quick before Phil, you jump in. I guess you could go from the booth to becoming a team president, right? Team, <laughs> Jonesy Jonesy has already shown that, and a lot of these guys, I guess, go from broadcasting back to the bench. I mean, is is that something you would have interest in? I mean, Tortorella obviously uh, was you know talking. A lot of these guys go from one back to the other, but Jonesy, uh, that's kind of unprecedented. It is. I mean, uh, John Davidson did it right. Uh, he left the Rangers booth and and uh, was president of the St. Louis Blues, and then moved on to Columbus and the Rangers and, and such after that. No, it's not something that I have my eye on. I mean, I'm quite happy doing what I do right now. And, you know, I, I think early on you wonder, boy, what, you know, what it would have been like to, you know, have been part of a, you know, organization, whether it's coaching or management or scouting or what, what have you. Uh, Cause you know, you, you live and die trying to win a championship, you know? So 
you know, I think that eats at competitors and athletes all the time. But no, I'm quite happy doing what I'm doing right now. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of friends that are in, you know, in management roles or coaching roles. So I've got a lot of guys that I can, you know, see how they're doing, but it's not something that I want to do. Brian, appreciate you joining us. You'll be on the call tonight with Sports USA Radio up in the booth with John Ehlers. And it always fascinates me when we talk hockey broadcasts, you know, the difference between being an analyst up in the booth and then being ice level. And you've done plenty of both over your career. Can you tell us a little bit about the difference between those two roles, the difference of the perspective, and perhaps, you know, also the preparation that might go in and how that might be different, whether you're ice level or up in the booth? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if, if you're doing a broadcast where you're down inside the glass there and you've got a, a, another analyst upstairs, you're part of a three-person team, and that's what we did a lot, a lot at uh, NBC Sports uh, when I was with Eddie Olchek. Uh, you know, it's, it's you're giving you're giving the ice level perspective uh, of the game. You know, the stuff that you you don't get to see from from way up top. So, you know, it's more about uh, maybe the speed or the conversations or stuff that you know the the stuff that happens at ice level, the little things that you, you see when you're playing and you're on the bench that are part of the game that you try to bring to the viewer, right? Um, you know, whether it's like for myself, if you see there was a shot that was on goal and you could see the traffic that took place in front of the goaltender, you have a really unique look at that that, you know, other people don't have. And if there's a camera down there with you, they can pick up the same views that you're seeing, right? So it's, it's a unique position. It's... Uh, I think it's an important position, but it's also you miss a lot down there too because the game is very fast and you don't get to see the game from a bird's eye view. And I think when you're upstairs, you you can analyze a lot better in the sense that you can see plays develop, uh, you see stuff behind the play because you know everything you know you can see stuff in your peripheral vision when you're down on ice level. You're you know you're hyper focused on maybe where the puck where the puck is. So, you know, there's different different angles that can be helpful. I think it's difficult when you have just a play-by-play and an analyst downstairs, like an up and down. I think at that point, uh, when you're the analyst downstairs, you're going to miss stuff. And uh, you need a real good play-by-play guy that can f- see stuff and pick up on things uh, so that you make sure you don't, you don't miss things. But uh, when you have another analyst up there, you kind of play off each other and they, you can help each other out. The truck gets involved. And, and I think it, it provides a real strong broadcast uh, when you have the right people in the mix. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And you've been working these national broadcasts, you know, for for ESPN these last two seasons with play-by-play announcers such as Bob Wischusen and Mike Monaco, John Buchagross. Love following, you know, those pairings with you, Brian. But when you're working a national broadcast as opposed to perhaps a a regional broadcast that like you had done in the past for the Flyers and, and that sort of thing, are you cognizant that the viewership and the audience might be different and may not know you know the intricacies of of nhl hockey the way you know some of those hardcore fans who are tuning into the nhl network and, and that sort of thing and do you and the producers adjust things for that mainstream audience 100 percent. uh it's a great question yeah uh when you're doing a game so like when we do plus games right the streaming games 
for ESPN. You know, those are those are diehard hockey fans that are watching our our, our broadcast, and because we're on Plus, it's it's exclusive. So the local broadcasts are not airing the game that night. So we are, you know, pretty much the local broadcast for both teams at that point. So when we do that game, that that focus is we've got to be. We, so say it's Philly and the Rangers, Philly and the Rangers. You know we have to be uh, Keith Jones and Jim Jackson, and we have to be Sam Rosen and Joe Micheletti, right? In mm-hmm. one broadcast, we we must uh, deliver for them what the locals would deliver for their broadcast. So it's a, it, you know it's important that we do a good job and and know what know and do our homework. When you do an ESPN game, it is to the national audience, right? It's not a stream game. So I think you're there. You might be getting people that are flicking through the channel and they turn on ESPN and they go, Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a hockey game, right? So you do speak more in a general sense to a broader audience where you're trying to perhaps explain things more at an elementary level, you know, And, and, and what you hope you don't do is you hope you don't, you don't insult the diehard fan because you're, you're kind of, you're, you're giving it, uh, you know, in, in, you know, in, in layman's terms, right. You know, and you're not getting too in depth, but you're trying to sell the game to people that may have otherwise not watched much hockey. So you are no doubt, uh, there's a different game plan when you're, when you're doing, uh, those broadcasts, whether, what type of replays you're doing, maybe what type of graphics you're using, uh, how in depth you get into the weeds, right? You don't get too in depth when you're doing an ESPN game because you're trying to be more general. So, it's, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Whether you execute it or not, that's a different story. Uh, but there's certainly a game plan involved when you've got the differences between the two broadcasts. Uh, Brian Boucher is our guest here. Sports USA Radio will have coverage of tonight's Game 3, Saturday's Game 4, and the rest of the Stanley Cup Finals. You know, you mentioned uh, the role of the play-by-play. You got a chance uh, during your time at NBC Sports to work with Doc Emmerich, who many regard as the voice of hockey while he was obviously, um, you know, there. What was it like to get a chance to work with, you know, what many believe is the premier voice in the sport? Surreal. It was great. Um an honor, uh, a privilege. Like, I mean, you, when I played and Doc Emmerich walked into your locker room uh, for a national broadcast, you knew it was a big game, right? And uh, so you, when you get a chance to work with him on the other side of things, it's like, to me, it's like the pinnacle. It, it was, uh, you know, you kind of pinch yourself. You're like, you can't believe it. Uh, you're working with a, a living legend. And, uh, you know, the preparation that he puts into, I mean, it is just, it is mind blowing how much work he puts into it and how, how hard he is on himself, like how, how perfect he wants to be uh, to deliver the goods uh, when he does a game. And if he feels like he fell short, you know, uh, how hard he is on himself. It's amazing. It's like, you know, as an athlete, you know, we were all like that when we played and, you know, some guys more than others, but to see, you know, the professionalism that he brought on a daily basis to the broadcast, I mean, it was, it was awesome. And then aside from all of that, he is like the nicest person you've ever met. I mean, the nicest human being, the kindest, most generous, um, you know, he, he, he helped me immensely. And he's, uh, every once in a while, he'll check in with me and, and ask how things are going and, and offer a little bit of advice. And when he speaks, I certainly listen because, uh, you know, he, he is one of the best that we've ever had. Uh, calling the game of hockey. You know, uh, we've had so many play-by-players on and some hockey guys as well. John Forslund was actually the first guest of our pod way back 
uh, 50 episodes ago. So you are episode 51 here, Brian. But when they prepare for a game, what is your preparation like as the analyst and how it differs from the guy who's calling the action? Well, I think for uh, play-by-play guys, they're more concerned about stat-driven stuff, right? The numbers are important. I think for, for analysts, it's important to analyze what happens in front of you. So, I mean, look, you've got to be well-versed on trends with the, with two teams that are playing and, um, you know, what players have been up to and, and how they played and where they're from. It's great to have that knowledge. If you don't get caught too much into that, I mean, you're you're pretty reactionary. What's happening in front of you and figuring out maybe what, some, what changes, you know, these teams need to make in order to kind of flip momentum. Uh, so it's really just watching the game and, and, and analyzing and doing it on the spot. Uh, so th- as far as the preparation is concerned, I think the, the play-by-play guys do a lot more in the, in, in, in the sense of like numbers and stats and, and all of that stuff, uh, whereas we just kind of we react to the game that we've played for so long and, and hope that we can analyze it in a way that uh, fans find it digestible. And you're on Sports USA Radio tonight. Tell us about the differences between, obviously, TV and radio. Certainly, probably not nearly as many moving parts, but the timing, the execution, I'd imagine, has to be adjusted a bit for yourself, Brian. Yeah, first time doing radio uh, for, for hockey, you know, like calling the games. Uh, so, it's yeah, you've got to be way more descriptive uh, when explaining a replay. Like, the fans don't see what I'm seeing on my on my replay monitor. So that's, uh, that's, that's different for me. Um, you know, and I probably had a couple of hiccups here the first couple of games where I, you know, say, as you can see, you know, no, they can't see it. You got to describe it to them, you know? So that part is a little bit different. Uh, don't have control of replays. Like if I miss something and I want to see it again, uh, I don't have the ability to, to ask for it from the truck. You know, so you're kind of at the mercy of what the what the feed is giving you, but uh, it's been fun. I mean, uh, you know, you may not get as you may not get in as much as you do in TV because the play-by-play has to describe what's going on and paint the picture for the listener. But uh, it's been it's been great. Again, like I said, it's awesome to be at the finals. It's great to see all the people that are, are associated with this game, whether it's, you know, the, the TV media or print media, a lot of us have known each other for a long, long time and to kind of see each other in this setting. It's always a, always a great celebration. A lot of fun. Mike mentioned earlier in the show to you that he's from Philadelphia. I'm a Miami native myself. And this is the biggest accomplishment for the Panthers since that year of the rat 1996. <laughs> what are your feelings as far as like, you know, how the Panthers have evolved over time this year's run and the vibe that's happening right now in South Florida? Yeah, it's a hell of a run. It, it kind of reminds me of the the team that I played on in 2010 in Philly, where we kind of, you know, we couldn't get our act together uh, for a large part of the season. And then we kind of got hot towards the end and got in and, and then we made it to the Stanley Cup final where we lost to Chicago in six. Um, and we did lose the first two games on, on the road as well. Uh, and came home and won two straight on home ice. So I'm sure Florida's open for that. But yeah, I mean, they're a team that, you know, last year, highest scoring team in the NHL, won the President's Trophy, outscored their problems, exciting to watch. They were, it was fire wagon hockey. It was just, it was fun. Uh, but it wasn't playoff style hockey like when you get in the playoffs you got to defend you got to be hard to play against uh you, you got to wear teams down and i think they that was the whole focus of their club 
heading into uh, last off season was to, to find ways to do that. And it took them a little bit to adjust. I mean, as I mentioned, they're not as, as high powered, uh, high octane as they were before, but uh, they, they, they seem to have found their act towards the end of the year. You know, they're up against it right now. I mean, they're, you know, with this Vegas team, this is a team that's deep up front. They're deep on the back end. Uh, they play a system that makes it hard to get inside. And I think for Florida, they've tried early on to, you know, to kind of uh, bully their way in this series. And unfortunately, they've spent a little bit too much time in the penalty box. But there's a vibe down here where people are excited. Uh, it's a crucial game here tonight. Yeah, obviously you don't want to go down three nothing, and I expect a, a huge effort from the Panthers. And uh, Vegas has to be ready because uh, if not, you know, and Florida gets going, I think uh, they could find themselves getting back into the series. Right, Brian Boucher, Sports USA tonight, Saturday night is Game Four. Uh, before we let you roll, we like to ask a lot of the broadcasters. I mean, you played, so it's a travel different. You get the same level of travel as a broadcaster as you do. And have you had any uh, broad uh, travel snafus where, you know, you've missed a game or anything in your broadcasting career yet? Many of these guys have had some wild travel stories for us. Yeah, I have never missed a game, knock on wood, uh, just yet. But, uh, no, the difference is when you're playing in the NHL, you travel on a on a charter and, uh, you know, the, the bus takes you right to the – right to the plane and off you go and they've got great food on there. And when you're uh, doing TV, it's uh, it get in line and wait and <laughs> hope you get the upgrade uh, to first class and, uh, and travel that way. So it's, uh, it's not like playing. That's for sure. Uh, lots different, but uh, it's, it's great to be a part of the game still, you know, uh, you, you adjust, you know, you realize, uh, and anybody that played in the minors, before they got to the NHL, knows what it's like to grind, so it's all good. You just got to readjust your uh, your expectations and uh, and be okay with it. But yeah, there's nothing like being the NHL as a player. Hey, hey real quick, Brian. You know, you went from NBC that had the hockey, and it went over to ESPN, and everybody was really excited when ESPN got hockey back. And TNT, of course, has their broadcast. But has there been anything different in the way they present the game than than NBC did, and maybe even NBC Sports Philly? Because obviously, uh, you know, NBC Sports Philly does a great job with the Flyers games here too. But does ESPN do anything differently behind the scenes that that kind of uh, help take it to another level for you? I mean, yeah, I, I, there's no doubt it's different, right? You got different uh, executive producers, producers, tape people. It's always it's always going to be different. Uh, you know, at NBC, it was a well well oiled machine towards the end. You know, they I think they had it for 15 years, and uh, they had their way of doing things. And I think everybody that was on, you know, that was doing the games, I think they were well versed in hockey. I think the main difference that I've seen from ESPN to NBC so far is just the the overall like uh, you know. Uh, level of, of experience with hockey itself, right? Because they they do a lot of other sports, and so we get people that are coming in that are kind of new to hockey, that are behind the scenes, and they're learning the sport and they're working their tails off to you know to get up to speed. Um, you know, year one, I think uh, it was a big learning curve. I think this year was a lot better, and I, you know, I suspect it's going to get even better. I mean, these people are pros uh, that are working behind the scenes at ESPN and. You know, they've got different ideas of how they want to present the game. I know, like, last year they used to do these, like, fly. Our directors would do these, like, like long fly flybys with the camera. And so they're trying different things. Some things work, some things don't. I mean, at the end of the day, hockey is, you know, I, I know people don't want to, you know, 
you know, use other people's ideas. But, you know, I think what, what works is what works. And I, you know, I, I think in reinventing the wheel sometimes can be, can be difficult to do with this sport. And I think a lot of the viewers who are old school viewers, they want it a certain way. So there's always adjustments being made, but I, you know, for ESPN, I think they've got a lot of good people there. They would, they want to make it, uh, as as enjoyable as possible and um you know it's it's great to be a part of their their team now well brian boucher we spent a couple moments with him finding about his journey from player to broadcaster and now he's reached the pinnacle he is at the stanley cup finals broadcasting for sports usa who has the national call brian it was always fun getting a chance to talk to you during your flyers days during your flyers work and uh, now stanley cup finals congratulations man we appreciate you being a part of the show all right, guys. Appreciate talking to you. Take uh, it easy. Brian Boucher, everybody. Thanks, Brian. And that uh, was a great conversation. Really took us, uh, you know, from the start there, Phil, all the way uh, to where he is tonight, getting to do the Stanley Cup. Now, he played in the Stanley Cup Finals, as he mentioned, in 2010. That Flyers team made a wild run. Uh, but to get to broadcast it, he seemed very, genuinely very humbled by the fact that he is at this event. Yeah, and, he, you know, he's doing the game tonight for radio, but he's done several Stanley Cup finals for nbc we talked about doc emmerich and that broadcast team emmerich eddie olchick and brian boucher was part of that team he was down inside the glass you know for those nbc stanley cup finals then he was part of the espn stanley cup final team last year you know working with sean mcdonough and ray ferraro emily kaplan part of that team as well so you know these stanley cups he's becoming a a mainstay you know despite you know some different roles here and you know he'll be on that that radio call tonight and encourage folks if you want to see how a nhl national radio broadcast is produced and executed uh check out brian tonight on sports usa radio affiliates all over the country yeah and uh, one of the reasons he is on sports usa radio as we pick back up here on episode 51 let's get into the stanley cup finals is because tnt has the stanley cup finals this year of course brian is with the espn entity they will have it next year but tnt which uh, is also simulcasting on multiple platforms tbs tnt he's on the sports usa radio call but give us uh the television lowdown well, Kenny Albert handling the, the play-by-play duties on, on TNT. It's his 10th overall Stanley Cup, if you date back to his his radio calls as well on the national level. Eddie Olchick, who we mentioned, year number 16 as the lead analyst there. He's become a, a, a mainstay, obviously. Keith Jones, who you, who you spoke about, you know, now the president of the Philadelphia Flyers, kind of his swan song as part of this broadcast team, getting these Stanley Cup finals games and, and then Darren Pang, and Pang uh, made some news this week also. You know, he'll be uh, down on the ice for the TNT broadcast, but he is headed to the Chicago Blackhawks after 14 seasons with the Blackhawks' big rival, the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Pang has some Chicago roots, and he's going back to, to Chicago to work with NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, his play-by-play announcer will be Chris Vosters, who had his debut last season. And, you know, the Blackhawks, you know, sort of reimagining this booth now with Chris Vosters and Darren Pang after it was Pat Foley and Eddie Olchick for, for quite a long time. So uh, interesting to see that news come across the wire. Uh, Pang will, of course, continue with TNT. And part of, you know, this deal kind of reading you know, between the lines and reading some of the reporting and so forth is that, you know, one, Pang 
wanted to make sure he'd be able to continue to do the TNT work and had that sort of flexibility with whoever his, you know, uh, regional job was going to be with. But also this whole Diamond Sports Valley deal and how it's it's tough to to uh, get a contract done in that current landscape might have been part of it as well. Valley Sports Midwest is who uh, handles the Blues broadcast and NBC Sports. NBC Sports Chicago handling the Blackhawks broadcast. But bottom line is Darren Pang, now part of the Blackhawks broadcast team. All right, some changes uh, to the broadcast there. We also uh, in L.A. with the Kings, there's a change. They're going to go with a simulcast, Phil. Uh, Their play-by-player, Alex Faust, the TV guy, he's been let go, and they're going to do one broadcast team, simulcast across TV and radio. That's going to be Nick Nickerson, uh, will be the play-by-player, Alex Faust, who I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, is the guy who does the Apple TV baseball games, correct? Yeah, he, do, he does Apple TV baseball. You see him quite a bit on um, FS1 as well. You know, he, he does a lot of work nationally. You know, he, he's he's well-established, and it was a little bit of a shocker to see that, you know, he, he wasn't going to be coming back to the Kings, and, you know, that – that's, I guess, just a circumstance of these budget cuts and this this sort of, you know, um, turmoil that a lot of these regional sports networks is in that they're going to a simulcast. We talked to Jason Jackson about that and, and how, you know, uh, he's not necessarily a fan, neither are we, of the, their TV radio simulcast. It's two completely different audiences, two completely p- different products when it comes to the announcing side of things and so forth. So we'll see how that shakes out with the, with the Kings out there and in Los Angeles, but, uh, you know, the world continues to turn here in the world of announcer schedules. Yes, and uh, Stanley Cup Finals tonight. We thank Brian Boucher for being a guest of the pod as we continue along here. Uh, We did some NBA. We did Brian Boucher. We talked a little NHL, and uh, Philly always seems to be making news. Uh, Kate Scott, the voice of the 76ers, she made some news uh, on Wednesday evening, and she is going to be in the Pacific Northwest. Phil, fill us in. Yeah, so Kate Scott will, in addition to her work with the, the 76ers as the, the play-by-play voice of the Sixers, she'll handle play-by-play duties for the preseason games for the Seattle Seahawks. Her partner up there in the booth will be Michael Robinson. And, you know, Kate, for those who, who know her as the Sixers announcer, now, uh, folks might not know just how deep her West Coast roots are. You know, she went to Cal Berkeley. Uh, she spent a lot of time with the Pac-12 network. Uh, she did some Niners games uh, once upon a time on the uh, radio side as the play-by-play announcer for a couple preseason games, making her the first woman to call an NFL game on radio. And now she gets this Seahawks gig to complement what she's doing with the Sixers. By the way, you know, she, she steps in for a big name. Uh, Kurt Menefee had had been in that role for the last 14 years handling Seahawks preseason games. And we've talked a bit about NFL preseason broadcast teams and how that can be a, a very useful uh, spot for a lot of these announcers who are looking to perhaps break into the NFL ranks and that kind of thing. And I would see see this as a positive sign for for Kate Scott, you know, as far as her evolution as an announcer, you know, now that she'll be doing some preseason NFL games, more uh, visibility there, reps in the NFL environment uh, to come here. And uh, like I said, you know, she's done a lot of football over the years. She was part of that Learfield uh, college football package as well. And uh, yeah, 
we'll we'll see uh, how that evolves. One last thing, Mike, it was kind of interesting. You know, a, a little bit of the reporting yesterday didn't include the word preseason. And so Kate had to do a little bit of damage control with the Sixers, uh, you know, audience and so forth saying, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not leaving the 76ers. You know, this is a preseason, a, a, you know, a, a, a one month gig type of thing. And uh, she'll return as the Sixers voice as well. She will. And uh, by the way, I had uh, Mike Golick, who was her partner on those Learfield games, the, the father, Mike Golick senior. And he had just said how much fun he had, how different she made, uh, she did what a Pac-12 package, I believe, with Golic, uh, the one year, and yeah, go ahead. it was a nat. It was a, to, to, if if I remember right, it was a national package, you know, similar to what you'd see on ESPN Radio or Westwood One and that kind of thing. So they were going to big games across the country, um, you know, with that new Learfield package when it when it it just rolled out a couple of years ago, and you know, um, obviously working with a. Uh, a name like Mike Golick has only got to help her experience level as well. Yeah, uh, she's the only woman to do play-by-play for an NFL, NHL, NBA, college football. She's done Olympics. So Kate uh, continues to rock and roll. And, of course, she is the voice of the Philadelphia 76ers on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, Major League Baseball, we are getting into the, uh, quote, dog days of summer. We're not quite there yet, but the calendar is in June, and we're getting some more uh, Saturday Fox. we got the Sunday Peacock and, of course, Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah, you know, last week, the you know, the big series, this Dodgers-Yankees uh, interleague matchup, you know, uh, the, the two big brand names. Well, you know, another big matchup this weekend, Red Sox-Yankees. You know, we've seen it uh, year in, year out, but it obviously still moves the needle. Uh, that'll be on Saturday. Uh, the primary Fox game, uh, part of the country will also be getting Cubs-Giants. Then there's a Sunday Peacock game once again, uh, Tigers and Diamondbacks, Brendan Burke, Kirk Gibson. Uh, representing the Tigers side of things, Luis Gonzalez, the D-back side of things, then Red Sox-Yankees on Sunday night as well. Usual uh, crew over at ESPN, Ravage, Cone, Perez, and Olney. And then ESPN Radio, uh, you know, we talked about Boog Shambi a little bit being a, a, a guest on George Offman's show this week. Well, Dave O'Brien will be handling the play-by-play duties for ESPN Radio on Sunday night this week, and it only makes sense. You know, he's the the TV voice also for the Boston Red Sox. Nesson won't be carrying the game, you know, because it'll be on ESPN on Sunday night. That frees him up to do the radio, and he'll be with Doug Glanville. All right, uh, there you go, a little baseball there. Uh, And this time of the year, very popular. We talked about it last week. All the regional games were happening, but now uh, the Women's College World Series of Softball, which uh, ESPN also has some radio coverage on Westwood One. Yeah, the Women's College World Series, an ever-growing property, uh, for television and, and ESPN, who, who gives it, you know, really some great treatment and coverage and continues to, to grow that sport. Well, Oklahoma's playing Florida State in the best of three championship finale. If you're listening on Thursday, game two tonight after Oklahoma defeated FSU 5-0 in game one. And the broadcast team, you know, we talked about the longevity of Breen, Van Gundy, and Jackson. How about these numbers? Uh, the team of Beth Moens, Jessica Mendoza, Michelle Smith, and reporter Holly Rowe, those four have been together for 16 years covering this event, the Women's College World Series. Beth Moens, the play-by-play announcer, it's her 29th Women's College World Series. So that dates all the way back to the 
you know, the uh, 90s. And then uh, Roe now in her 19th season calling this event. So these announcers know the ins and outs of the sport of NCAA softball, are very familiar with this event. And, um, you know, they continue to march on putting together these numbers as far as year in and year out bringing viewers the Women's College World Series. All right. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the men's uh, baseball super regionals give more opportunities to young broadcasters uh, and some veterans as well. Yeah, 16 regionals last week were played in NCAA college baseball, and we're now down to eight regions. And the play-by-play announcers, Mike Farron, Mike Monaco, former guest of the podcast, Tom Hart, Roy Philpot, Dave Neal, John Schriffen, Another guest of the podcast, Roxy Bernstein, he'll be out in Eugene, Oregon, and Clay Matvick uh, gets an assignment as well. So eight more assignments for broadcast teams across the ESPN platforms. There's also the ESPN squeeze play. I don't know if you've caught this at all, Mike, but it, it's a really interesting sort of whip around type thing. They actually uh, show you usually on four screens, sort of four games at once a lot of the times, and Chris Budden and Matt Schick. Uh, hosting Mike Rooney, who's a college baseball specialist, an uh, analyst uh, handling the analysis side. And uh, there's been a lot of kudos to you know that production and bringing uh, folks all that action. But it's really come a long way, whether it's baseball or softball, as far as the amount of coverage that you know, you're able to get these games. There was a time, once upon a time, because I, I worked uh, pretty deeply in college baseball uh, back in the 90s and so forth. And it was hard to get even score updates from some of these <laughs> regionals, you know, like, you know, it was it was a challenge. And now uh, they're all at your fingertips as far as being able to flip around to these different games and the eight super regionals uh, this weekend uh, starting on Friday. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, speaking of uh, Friday, it is uh, uh, going to lead us right into the Belmont, which is this Saturday. So the weekend is almost here. If you're listening, we're recording on Thursday. If you're listening on Friday, this Saturday, Fox puts its toe in the water for the Belmont Stakes for the first time ever, and that means our friend Larry Colmus, who missed, uh, who was on the podcast uh, back there, you go back to the archives, will not be calling this Triple Count event. We're going to hear a familiar uh, horse racing voice, though. Yeah, this will be interesting as far as the the production also and just the look and feel of a Triple Crown event on Fox. We're so used to seeing it on NBC and in years before that over on ABC. So it'll be interesting. Uh, Tom Durkin will be in that race caller uh, role that you mentioned that that Larry Colmus uh, has has done for so many years after taking over for Durkin. Uh, back in 2010, Durkin called the Triple Crown on NBC uh, from 2001 to 2010, and then Colmus took over. And uh, Durkin, you know, who had a 43-year career, over 80,000 races, and Fox is bringing him back, you know, to be the race caller for this event. Kurt Menefee, who we mentioned earlier in the show, he'll be the, the studio host. And, you know, also a role for Chris Felica. You know, we talked about his... Uh, shift over from ESPN College Game Day and all those years as their chief researcher and, you know, those on-air roles. He will be making his Fox Sports debut as the wagering expert uh, alongside Carissa Thompson. So uh, looking forward to seeing Chris in action this weekend at the Belmont Stakes and should be interesting once again to see how Fox uh, uh, handles it. Uh, One last note, Tom Rinaldi 
you know, this seems like a great spot for him, right? You know, being there at the at the Belmont Stakes, he'll be part of that coverage as well. All right. Uh, and then uh, the Professional Lacrosse League uh, launched and, and got started last week, uh, and uh, that's obviously giving more opportunities for broadcasters. Yeah, and we mentioned softball and how that's getting more and more coverage. You know, some of those games on, on ABC and, you know, really um, all the bells and whistles coming out. Well, Professional Lacrosse League getting some great coverage as well, Big platforms, including ABC. You know, there was a game on ABC last week. There's a game on ABC this weekend with Anise Schroff as the play-by-play announcer. Also, familiar names like Chris Cotter, Jay Alter, Drew Carter handling play-by-play duty. So more opportunities here. This is a league in a sport worth keeping an eye on as it continues to uh, grow, apparently. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. All these other sports, you know, starting to, to emerge a bit this summer is a great time for them to sort of, you know, uh, you know, uh, fill in some of these gaps, you know, until football season and so forth. And the other one, of course, worth keeping an eye on is Major League Soccer with this this big Lionel Messi news that broke yesterday. We'll, we'll continue to keep an eye on that, that whole Apple TV Plus deal as well. All right. Uh, and as we get ready to uh, wrap up Episode 51 of this week's Announcer Schedules podcast with Mike and Phil. We've got a supporter, a listener of the show, who actually is a story in the show this week. Yeah, Chris McCoskey, really appreciate his continued support of both the Twitter feed and the podcast. You know, have, have gained a, a great rapport with with him over the years. And, you know, a really touching story and kind of interesting how it all went down uh, back on Mother's Day weekend. He was working the Conference USA softball championship, a, a game between Middle Tennessee State and Florida Atlantic. It was down in, in Louisiana. And suddenly he got a, a text come across and he had to, uh, you know, you basically explain in as brief of a manner and concise as possible what was going on, probably first to his producers, you know, with the talkback button, but then, you know, ultimately to the audience. And he leaves the broadcast. And the, the reason why uh, his family for nearly two years has been pursuing adoption and the word came that he and his wife had to be in Houston by the very next morning. So in the third inning, uh, his broadcast partner, Malcolm Butler, takes over and then they call to the bullpen. Lynn Rollins arrives and, and handles the play-by-play duties. And meanwhile, Chris is on his way rushing to Houston to, to make all this happen. They meet uh, their new daughter, who they name Hannah, and uh, it all works out. And Hannah is a, um, you know, just a touching story as well. Um, you know, she, her medical history has shown that she's been diagnosed with a rare brain condition. Uh, so there's all that going on as well. But great to see that she's part of Chris's and um, Cassie's uh, family now and that they're able to, to make this happen. And it all goes down in real time during a broadcast, you know, on uh, over on ESPN plus the conference USA softball championship. So congratulations to, to Chris and Cassie. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to, to send our, our prayers, uh, you know, to, to his family and to Hannah as well. Just a, just a cool story to, to finish up this episode with Mike. Yeah, there we go. Chris, uh, thanks for listening and the support and fun story there. Good stuff, uh, on picking that one up, Phil. Uh, all right, that will do it for episode 51 of the podcast as we've taken you through the journey 
of Brian Boucher. Boosh, as he is known here. No, they weren't booing him. It was Boosh, uh, a, a great Philadelphia Flyer, a broadcaster, and he will be on the call for Sports USA uh, for the Stanley Cup Finals. And, of course, go back to the archives and listen. You know, we have timeless conversations, uh, our last couple conversations. Jason Jackson, you talk about the Stanley Cup Finals? Well, we're talking to the people making news in the NBA Finals. An awesome, fun story last week on episode 50 with uh, Pat McCarthy, who was calling, uh, he's a part of the Mets broadcast team. He does pre and post and select play-by-play on Mets radio, uh, but was working with his father, Tom McCarthy, who has been a guest of our podcast. And it was a fun story about them driving in together and getting to work against each other. And at the same time, uh, that is a podcast that you guys should go back and listen to and obviously you go back through our archives and listen to a bunch of our conversations here on the announcer schedules podcast like rate review subscribe we're on last word on sports you can check us out there last word on sports media is hosted by tj Rees on wednesdays and tell me a story i don't know is hosted by george offman on tuesdays we have the announcer schedules podcast right here on thursdays and if you subscribe to the feed you will uh, get select standalones like last week's Jason Jackson. So, Phil, episode 51 is in the books. Yeah, it's been a a great show. Appreciate it, as always, Mike. Uh, Big thanks to the folks at Sports USA Radio and Brian Boucher uh, coming on the show. Wish them the best uh, this Stanley Cup final. See if the Panthers can maybe get a couple and extend this thing a little bit. Uh, Hasn't looked too promising for him so far. Yeah, that was our guy, by the way, Lyle Gordon. Thanks to him over at Sports USA for hooking up that conversation with Brian Boucher. All right, that'll do it for episode 51. Thanks to Brian Boucher at Sports USA. For Phil, I'm Mike. This has been episode 51 of the Announcer Schedules podcast. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.